Welcome to our Clothed with the Sun daily podcast, our reading and meditation on the Gospel of the Day. I am James Thomas. Today is Monday, September the 4th, and it is the year 2023, and it is also Labor Day, and it is the 22nd Monday in Ordinary Time. Our reading today is from the Gospel according to St. Luke. Jesus came to Nazareth where he had grown up and went according to his custom into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He stood up to read and was handed a scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He unrolled the scroll and found the passage where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me, to bring glad tidings to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim a year acceptable to the Lord. Rolling up the scroll, he handed it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all in the synagogue looked intently at him. He said to them, Today this scripture passage is fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke highly of him, and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They also asked, Is this not the son of Joseph? He said to them, Surely you will quote me this proverb, Physician, cure yourself and say, Do here in your native place the things we heard were done in Capernaum. And he said, Amen, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own native place. Indeed, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the sky was closed for three and a half years, and a severe famine spread over the entire land. It was to none of these that Elijah was sent, but only to a widow in Zarephath in the land of Sidon. Again, there were many lepers in Israel during the time of Elisha the prophet. Yet not one of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. When the people in the synagogue heard this, they were all filled with fury. They rose up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town had been built, to hurl him down headlong. But he passed through the midst of them and went away. So that can be little bit of a disturbing kind of a reading. Jesus goes home to his hometown, sees some of his old friends, and then they want to kill him. Wow. I, this reading has always blown me away a little bit. When I first started to see this reading come up, I, you know, years ago, I used to be very confused. What is he talking about? First of all, what does he mean this is fulfilled in your hearing? Secondly, um, the story about Elijah, the story about Elisha, or however you say that, Elisha. Some people say Elisha, which is very confusing because it sounds almost like the same word. But anyway, uh, I always wondered why those stories get the people so upset. What Jesus is saying is that you have no faith. That's the bottom line here. You have no faith. And he quotes that saying, you know, prophet is not without honor except in his native place. In other words, some of the people are just upset with him right off the bat, and they're like, well, who is this? This is just the son of Joseph, the carpenter. He's nobody. He's nobody special, which is what a slam that is to Joseph and to, uh, you know, Jesus as the son of Joseph and as a carpenter. And what a slam against carpenters in general and people who work with their hands. What a horrible thing to say. At the same time, um, there are people 
who like him in the town. Now, there's definitely his followers among the crowd. I mean, for goodness sake, his mother is there. You can bet there's going to be other people that are he's going to be very close with throughout his life. They talk about his brothers, and the word brother really means relative or neighbors. Um, but yeah, he's got a lot of friends in this crowd. But he also has people that are maybe happy to see him, uh, but not for the right reasons. Maybe they want to see a miracle. Maybe they want to put Nazareth on the map. And they're like, well, look, one of our sons here from this town, and he's doing these great things. Let's see some party tricks, Jesus. Let's see some uh, some magic. That's the way they're talking to him. Disrespectfully, not fully realizing or accepting who he is. I think of Jesus Christ Superstar. Now, I've never seen it, and I don't know that I ever want to see it. But there's a scene, because I think I was in a show once where... It was like a variety show, and one of the guys that I was friends with did um, the song by King Herod from Jesus Christ Superstar, and I just, I don't even remember how it goes, but I remember this line, um, Jesus Christ, you're so cool, walk across my swimming pool. Very disrespectful from our point of view. Is it an okay show when you consider the hippiness that it's kind of, hippiness, is that a word? You know, the, the hippie origins from it, and just even... The fact that that might have represented King Herod pretty well, because he was a very disrespectful person towards Jesus, uh, and disrespectful in, in general. I mean, for goodness sake, he martyred John the Baptist. But anyway, it made me think of that, because this is how the people of Nazareth are approaching Jesus, some of them. Uh, we don't believe in you, we don't have faith in you, but we'd like to see you do some things. And Jesus says this, it comes out of his mouth, do the things that we have heard you done in other places. But then he says, essentially, you have no faith, and therefore I can't. I'm not going to, and I can't do them. Because as we hear Jesus say over and over again, it is your faith that has saved you. Jesus is not going to save us if we don't have faith in him. If we're just saying, okay, show me, Lord, do some magic tricks. I mean, it is true, maybe, at times in our life, we do need to maybe test the Lord a little bit. I mean that in a good way, not in a disrespectful way. In other words, when we haven't prayed in a while, when maybe we've been let down uh, by members of the church, and therefore our faith has been harmed, so we test it a little bit. Lord, can you give me this sign? Lord, can you help me with this? And he does, and he's good, and he loves us. It might not be some huge thing. Lord, let me walk on water right now. But it could be something like, Lord, please put the person in my path that I need to help me with such and such. He's so good like that, and he's constantly helping us with things like that. And uh, it's all according to his will, whether he wants to give us something good, huge, or just some little good thing, or sometimes even... Um, you know, sometimes he makes us wait for something. Sometimes he requires patience of us. So he's saying you don't have faith. This is, and he compares them to the people in the stories with the prophet Elijah, the prophet Elisha. And these were horrible people. And it was the, the miracles were only performed by people on the outskirts and very few people for, for these people, I mean. And when it came to the mainstream people in Israel, they were not recipients of any signs or miracles because of their lack of faith. And that's what he's saying about the people of Nazareth. You've been giving something great here, but you don't really believe in me. Therefore, I can't perform any signs. And just to perform signs for the sake of signs, to put on a little show, well, that's not right anyway. It would be different if you said, 
something that was necessary. Lord, help me with a physical ailment. Lord, help me with spiritual growth. But you don't want to do any of those things. So therefore, I'm not going to help you. Um, so this is where we are. Now, I don't know how many of you have seen the episode from The Chosen, which I believe was in season three, where Jesus goes back to Nazareth. It's this exact story. And I love that show personally. Some people have said, oh, Jesus is too human. Guess what? He was more human than you and me, right? Because he was fully God and fully human. You and I are not fully human because our sins detract from our humanity. Jesus was the fullness of man. So when he goes back to Nazareth in that scene, he's with his relatives. He's showing lots of affection. He's playing games with his friends. Guess what? Jesus did all that. Jesus was man. Jesus, you know, Jesus had fun and he laughed. Some of you people think you're, what am I trying to say here? Jesus was like you. <laughs> In other words, oh, he never smiled. He never laughed. He wasn't human. No, that's how some of you are because you're miserable. And Jesus wasn't that way. <laughs> Jesus was overflowing with joy. Jesus was a man of community. He connected with people constantly and he drew them to salvation through those connections, which is something we all have to learn how to do for the sake of evangelization. And so Jesus is there in this episode, you know, he's with his family, his friends. He goes in the synagogue, he starts to preach, which sometimes, yeah, different men, they're chosen to read, they're chosen to say a few words. Jesus is a rabbi. They know he's been out there teaching but they're not really sure 100% what's uh, what he's teaching or where he learned this. And that's why they say, where did he get all this? He grew up among us. We don't remember him being a, a rabbi student. So, And in a way, maybe that's a compliment because he's preaching so well. In a way, it's an insult because they don't like what he's saying. He's Oh, and that's the other thing that I forgot to mention. That passage from Isaiah, what it's essentially saying is... This is a passage about the Messiah. He's coming. He's going to heal people. He's going to help people. He's going to do amazing things. And then he says, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, not only is Jesus saying, I am the Messiah, but he's saying to them, you're the poor people. You're the sick people. And I've come here to heal you. And I've come here to help you. So yeah, people caught up in their pride, they're, they're going to be blown away by this. I would love to learn, I mean, I guess I'll only learn it when I get to heaven, God willing, you know. I would love to learn more of the background here. How did What did these people think of him when he was growing up? I'm sure they couldn't have thought anything bad of him, except for the sake of their own jealousy, their own nastiness. Um, some of the people loved him, some of the people, I don't know that they hated him, but they didn't think he was the Messiah, certainly. Uh, so anyway, uh, this happens. Jesus then, after talking to them about having no faith, he's, uh, they want to kill him. So in the TV show, um, you know, they show all this. You see the emotions. Jesus is trying to connect with these people in a good way. He knows they're going to reject him, though, and he's communicating the whole time. It looks like this is the last time I'll ever come home to Nazareth. And then the episode culminates in him visiting Joseph's grave, which, whoo, I'm getting choked up right now thinking about it. It was very moving. Uh, Joseph had a grave in Nazareth, and Jesus visited it. Now, 
there's nothing in history that says this, but it's it is common sense to think, all right, Joseph, they lived in Nazareth. He died. Jesus and Mary were there with him when he died. They probably would have had a funeral and a burial. So even though we have no remnants of St. Joseph or a grave or anything like that that's recorded at this point, uh, he yeah, chances are they buried him right there and Jesus probably went to visit the grave and now uh, he's not going to go back to Nazareth because they're going to try to kill him. So that's it. So he, at the end of the episode, he visits Joseph's grave for the last time. Man, talk about something that's moving. Uh, Joseph, we remember in a special way today because it's Labor Day. Jesus grew up as a regular person. He did his ministry for three years from age 30 to 33. So from early on until age 30, he was a carpenter. He worked with his hands. Today, we celebrate Labor Day. We celebrate work and how work is a good part of humanity. It's something that sanctifies us. It's something mentioned right there at the beginning in Genesis, before the fall. We were made to work. We were made to benefit from our work and enjoy our work. And now because of the fall, well, we should strive to pursue enjoyment of our work, but it doesn't always happen that way because of the fall, because of the disintegration that's happened because of the fall. Joseph is so important in the life of Jesus in terms of, and especially when you think about this story, and what Jesus has to do here. Joseph taught Jesus humility. We say this in the human sense. Jesus is God. As God, he doesn't have to learn anything. But we're told he emptied himself of his divinity and became like us in all things. So in his weak humanity that he took on for us, he needs to learn humility, and he does. Jesus is honest, but he's not lording himself over people. Jesus could have, I guess, saved himself. Well, he did save himself. He walked through their midst because it wasn't his time yet. But there's, I'm sure, other things he could have done. He could have performed little miracle magic tricks for them, and they could have oohed and odd. But that's not why Jesus came. That's not his mission. So Joseph was a very humble man. He accepted God's work for him, God's tasks, God's suffering. He was a worker, so he taught Jesus how to work with his hands. In so many ways, he taught Jesus to be our Messiah, to carry out the work of salvation. Joseph raised Jesus to be the Messiah on a human level. It's true, he's going to get a lot of help from divine grace. But not just help, I mean divine grace, the Father's love, the Holy Spirit is going to lead him, inspire him, and guide him. But Joseph, on a human level, taught Jesus how to be brave and this story is a great example of that, to be honest, to be tender and loving, because you can guarantee Joseph was that way towards Jesus and towards Mary. Joseph was sacrificial. When you consider the flight into Egypt, when you consider the trip to Bethlehem, when you consider a chaste celibate marriage. So I always say, imagine being married to the most beautiful woman who ever lived, and you're not really her husband. Physically, you're not her husband. She's the spouse of the Holy Spirit, and you are her. We call Joseph Redemptor, Redemptoris Custos, the custodian of the Redeemer. He's not fully the father. He's not fully the husband, yet he takes on these roles. He's the foster father. He is the husband legally. He is the husband, I'm sure, in many ways. 
but they don't have a sexual relationship. Um, Joseph is long-suffering. So Joseph had to endure a lot. Imagine all those years in Egypt. Imagine the, the traveling. Imagine the working. Imagine just being in the dark, not knowing what your future holds. And we can say that about Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, because Jesus, we believe, he didn't have all the answers right off the bat. The, the Spirit led him and inspired him. The Father gave him what he was to do at each moment. He, Jesus didn't have a map already written out of his life. And so Joseph and Mary would have been even less so in, in the know as far as, you know, what's going to happen and what God's going to do. This is why Joseph needed to be told, okay, take your family and go into Egypt. Okay, you know, go to Bethlehem. Don't, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, etc. So as we honor St. Joseph this day, as we honor workers, we just, we thank him for the great sacrifices he made, for what he taught Jesus, for Jesus being the worker that sanctified our work. And we ask the Lord to help us to learn from the virtues of these great people more so than so much more than just great people our savior and his holy family that we learn from jesus to be honest and yet to be humble not to be afraid but also to be authentic and hopefully we learn from the story to keep growing in our faith because our faith is constantly going to be tested and yes we can take things for granted very often so we ask the lord to show us where we need to step forward how we need to uh, practice and live our faith more and more and uh, also this is a great story too about family so we ask the Lord to help us to be faithful to the people that he's put around us in our hometowns and in our families I hope everybody has a great holiday today God bless you talk again soon